Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause. Hey, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. We are continuing in Psalm 26. We love the house of the Lord. We love the grace of the Lord. We love the ways of the Lord today. I want to talk about loving the friends friends. of the Lord. Well, I have Psalm 26 here. This is the NIV. Would you read it? Of David. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. But I lead a blameless life. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hmm. So I find it interesting. I'm just going to throw this out. I'm not trying to stir up any trouble or cause any problems, but I do find it interesting that we tend to view the NIV as if it's like the softer translation. Some do. And yet I notice there in verse 11, it actually has the stricter mm-hmm. uh, translation there. I live a blameless life rather than I walk in integrity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. I actually read a couple of commenters who even commented on that, that how, oh, the NIV, they, they've made this too strong. It really should be integrity instead of blameless. But that word is translated blameless in other places, especially like when it talks about Noah. And yet uh, some parts of the inclusio with the NIV are maybe not quite as clear. Right. Uh, at the beginning of the verse, it talks about, I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the business there about your foot not slipping or something okay. like this. And then it does have it at verse 12 about standing on level ground. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, we, you know, we read these different ones. And Interesting. Interesting. Appreciate this and that out of, out of them. Yesterday, you took us to Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And as we went to Psalm 1, we really highlighted that idea of the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But there was another aspect of that that you even brought up yesterday. We just didn't talk about it quite as much. And that is in Psalm 1, as, as the entire Psalter begins, blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the Wicked, wicked, nor stands in the path of the sinful, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, or scoffers, depending yeah. on which translation you're using. And here we've got David claiming to be that blessed person. I don't hang out with the wicked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a very important thing. And I want to think about this. You know, the reality is what the Lord is pointing out from Psalm 26 here is that if I want to live in the Lord's house, I need to love the Lord's friends. Can I tell you that while there's not an exhaustive list of all wickedness, I guess, in this psalm, I was struck by the variety at which wicked people are described. Okay. Okay, so you have in verse 4, it speaks to the idolatrous people. The, the, sitting with men of falsehood, at 
least in the ESV. And that's, does the King James say idolatry there? Yeah, it's idolatrous mortals. So that's interesting because that's another one of these connections throughout these recent Psalms, Mm -hmm. that idea. So in Psalm 24, when who can go in, he doesn't lift up his soul to what is false, False. which is a reference to idolatry. And if I remember right, I think the New King James even said idolatry there as well. Yeah, false idols. Yeah, Yeah, so we've got that kind of dynamic equivalence going on with that one. Uh, but the, the idea of what is false is the idolatry. And sure. so, okay, so go ahead. So we've got the idolaters. Okay, those idolaters, the falsehood. the falsehood. Verse four also, hypocrites. So that's interesting because that word literally is hidden. Hidden. The word literally is hidden. And it's, it's the idea of the person who is hiding his true self. There's there's what he presents on the surface, but there's what he really is underneath, and that's hidden. Okay. So you've got the blatant idolater. Now you've got the person who's hiding it, hiding who is it. a hypocrite. Okay. Yeah. All right. Verse 5, uh, the New King James says, evildoers, along with the NIV. And, and here, I thought this was an interesting expression, assembly of evildoers. Mm-hmm. That's, the SV has that also. I hate the assembly, the assembly of the evildoers, evil and I will not sit with the wicked, mm-hmm. which actually gets us back to Psalm 1, the contrast there when it pointed out that the wicked would not stand in the judgment or sit in the congregation of the righteous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when we went through Psalm 1, remember, we highlighted that idea of standing in the congregation of the righteous really had that picture of, um, it reminded us then of the, the person who had accidentally killed somebody and they've fled to the city for refuge and then they would get to stand before the congregation Mm -hmm. to defend and justify themselves and in psalm one it was the idea that look the wicked god knows they're wicked they they don't even you know it's not like we're going to get to stand in judgment and make our case no no god knows you're wicked here that's kind of flipped on its head you have the assembly rather than the assembly of the righteous you've got the assembly of the wicked and the evil doer yeah. and so basically it's the idea of we're getting getting together and trying to come up with our own judgments and our own ways and david says look i don't even i hate that assembly i'm in that i'm I, yeah i'm not going to be in that right and so it's <laughs> contrasted then when we get to the middle of the psalm with the habitation of the lord that's yeah. where he loves to be mm-hmm. and then we get more descriptions of the sinners and the wicked so like verse 9 uh, as he contemplates God's righteous judgment, and he doesn't want to be judged along with the sinners. Do not gather my soul with the sinners, in verse 9, or like the NIV said, uh, take away my soul along with sinners. Uh, verse 9, bloodthirsty men. Mm. So violent men, murderous men. Mm-hmm. There's an assurance of God's judgment to you know clear the world of all that. Yeah, and again, if we find this psalm as a psalm of innocence where David maybe has been accused of murder and he's pointing out, I'm not, I'm not that. I am yeah. innocent of that. I wash my hands. Like the passage in Deuteronomy, uh, what was it, Deuteronomy 21, I think it is, 1 through 9. Uh, he says, I'm not that. I, I'm right. not a bloodthirsty, violent man, which actually is quite interesting because why couldn't David build the temple? Yeah, he was a man of blood. He was a man of bloodshed. And yet, for the most part, Mm -hmm. for the most part, his bloodshed was all as judgment from God on God's enemies. We have Mm -hmm. the terrible, awful exception with Uriah. Right. But other than that, David, David was the one who surrendered to the Lord. He did not kill Saul. He did not kill Ishbosheth. He he wasn't the one whose hand was in any of that. So... 
And here in Psalm 26, we might think the list would end with this type of violence, even to murder, bloodthirsty, but actually it doesn't. So in verse 10, more wickedness is described, the, those of schemers, right? Wicked schemes. And verse is 10. Is that the New King James or the NIV that says that? Actually, both. Oh, okay. The NIV has wicked schemes. In verse 10? In verse 10. So and ESV says, in whose hands are evil devices. Evil devices. So it schemes, is yeah. a sinister scheme in the New mm. King James. So wicked or sinister. And then whose right hand is full of bribes. So Those who remember, take bribes. Back up in verse 6, I wash my hands in innocence. And how important that is, because in Psalm 24, who is the one that gets to walk in the household of God on the holy hill? The one who mm-hmm. has clean hands. Mm -hmm. So rather than hanging on to bribery in my right hand or having wicked, evil schemes in my left hand, I have washed my hands in innocence. I have been cleansed. And so what a powerful contrast that he's got there. David doesn't want to get close to any of this wickedness. He has no sympathy for it. And and I wonder if if maybe that's a, a great lesson for us, that we not get comfortable with sin, wickedness, and have sympathy for it. Absolutely a great lesson for us. We've been connecting this back to Psalm 24 and the entrance requirements there, but remember we had another psalm that had entrance requirements to the temple. Do you remember Psalm 15? And back in Psalm 15, which the the whole psalm there was all about the entrance requirements. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? I'm now reading from the English Standard Version. He who walks blamelessly does what is right, speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Now notice this, verse 4. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and continue reading because there's some other connections. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest, and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Moved. Catch the significant connections. Yes, the feet do not slip. So no slipping, no wavering, no moving. There is that issue about not taking a bribe, Mm -hmm. and David brings that one up directly in verse 26. But what I really want to highlight, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. And that's what we find in Psalm 26. He's saying... the vi- I despise the vile people. Mm-hmm. I do not want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. I, there's there's no tolerance for this. There's no acceptance for this. As I was preparing for these conversations, Andrew, I was reading, and I've mentioned him several times, I've grown to really enjoy the writings on the Psalms by a fellow named Dale Ralph Davis. Mm-hmm. He has a little book on Psalms 25 through 37 called In the Presence of My Enemies. And he tells a story. And I, I don't normally want to do this on our podcast, but I just want to read this from him. This is from In the Presence of My Enemies by Dale Ralph Davis. So I'm going to read this. This point reminds me of an episode, he says, in The War Between the States. There was a gallant federal officer who was boldly riding his white horse in front of his men and under fire, urging his men to fight on. The Confederate general, Richard Yule, was so impressed with this opponent's bravado and gallantry that he went down the Confederate lines, ordering his men not to fire on the audacious federal officer. However, finally, this brave enemy soldier had fallen. Yule's superior, Stonewall Jackson, asked if this story, which he had heard, Mm -hmm. was true. Ewell admitted it was and commented on how magnificent the Federal's bearing had been. Jackson cut him off with a show of wrath. Never do such a thing again, General Ewell. This is no ordinary war. The brave Federal officers are the very kind that must be killed. Shoot the brave officers and the cowards will run away and take the men with them. 
Sounds brutal. And is. But Jackson was trying to get Ewell's head screwed on right, as if to say this is war, that is the enemy. Your job is not to mollycoddle him, but to get rid of him. And uh, Davis's point is, you know, that that's where we are. We, mm-hmm. we are in a war, and we have an enemy that is coming against us. And our mm-hmm. job is not to accept and tolerate and mollycoddle. Our job is to stay away from that, to push against that. He actually goes on to comment. This is now I'm quoting again from... Uh, Uh, Dale Ralph Davis in the presence of my enemies. He goes on after telling that story. God's people need a Psalm 26 to say something similar to them. We are so smothered in our culture and in the church with sugary pronouncements about needing to accept everyone that we may lose the hostility we are meant to keep. And I just thought, wow, that's straight up true. Well, that is true. That is true. And we cannot accept sin. No. No. I think... um, I'll just make this comment. I believe it is true. I cannot bring people to Jesus without developing relationships with them. Mm -hmm. And so I am going to have to develop relationships with those who are outside of Jesus Christ. But I believe that there is a mistaken notion today. Folks almost have this idea that what Jesus did was come into town and then he went over to the red light district and started hanging out with everybody who was just sinners and prostitutes. And he was just loving on them and he was having parties with them Mm -hmm. until they finally realized how much he loved them. And then he started teaching them. And we get told that's what we need to do. What we really need to do is cozy up and just be friends and just hang out with folks who are steeped in sin, just like Jesus did. Here's, I, I'll just lay this as a challenge. Look through the Gospels. Find me one place where that's where Jesus did. What you find what Jesus did is he went into town and he went to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And he started teaching and he started healing and people started coming to him. And when the sinners came to him in repentance... He accepted them. In fact, I will tell you, even that whole party with Matthew and the tax collectors and the sinners, in Mark chapter 9, it says the reason Jesus did that was because there were many among them that followed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not because Jesus' modus operandi was go party with sinners until they realized he loved them and then show them some truth. Uh, he, he was What he was willing to do was if someone repents, like the sinful woman who comes into Simon the Pharisee's yeah. house and washes his feet— He allowed the sinners to come to him in repentance, whereas the Pharisees and the scribes wouldn't allow that. He is the way. He showed them the way of holiness, and that light was something so wonderful and attractive to people who realized, I'm in darkness. I need the light. His message never was, well, just continue on in the darkness. And the Pharisees and the scribes gave them no hope. Oh, it's too late for you. Yeah. That that was actually our previous psalm. It's not too late for you. We do serve a merciful, holy God who will forgive. So come to him. And Jesus came and embodied that. And sinners came to him in repentance. And we we just have to understand, I, I get it. I cannot draw people to Jesus Christ that I'm never around, so I will have to develop relationships. But I think I need to understand this from Psalm 26, that my best friends, my closest friends, Mm -hmm. need to be the Lord's best and closest Mm -hmm. friends. If my best and close friends are outside of the Lord's house, I'm not going to be able to dwell in the Lord's house if I'm constantly having to sneak out of it to hang out with my best friends. Yeah. Let's wrap up with a prayer. Holy God, you are magnificent and awesome. And... We want to draw folks to your kingdom. We want to help others ascend the holy hill. So help us have appropriate and proper relationships with people just like your son Jesus did. May we always remember that we are sinners, that he has welcomed into his family because of his sacrifice 
But Lord God, may we always remember that those who are outside of your family, those who are hypocrites, those who are lifting up their souls to what is false, Lord God, help us to remember that those kinds of relationships will will not help us serve you. And in fact, will detract and will cause us problems. And so, Lord, help us always to govern our relationships the way Jesus did his, to do it in truth and righteousness, in love and in mercy. But Lord God, may we simply be your tools and instruments to draw others into your family. And then may we be together with your people. We love your friends, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. That's all I got. Hey, how about that? <laughs> you want to? Uh, you know what? Which let's one of us is going to wrap? <laughs> which one of us is going to wrap up in prayer today? Yeah. Let's say. Uh, hey, could you please take your mic off the stand so you could drop it? <laughs> I wish. <laughs>